1: 613. Nothing personal. Number of the day for Friday, June 10th, 2022 is 613. 613 happens to be the episode number today and 613 happens to be my favorite number because of two reasons and I want to take 2 minutes to teach you two things about why 613 is such a cool number. Number 1, it's the number of career victories that Red Holzman had as coach of the New York Knicks. And if you go to the world's most famous arena and you look up in the rafters, you actually see a Holzman. They retired his number 613. So during the Ranger game last night when the Lightning beat the Rangers for our pick of the day to win, you would see the Holsman 613 banner. But the other reason 613 is so cool is that that is the number of commandments or the number of mitzvot is the word in Hebrew. It's the number of things The number of rules. If you're gonna be a good Jewish boy, you have to do 613 things. Now, let's be clear. Out of the 613, I wanna give you some numbers. 365 of them are things you shouldn't do. Like, don't do that. And there's one for every day of the year. That, of course, then leaves 248 things that you have to do. So it's these rules, these laws, that show you every day that you are not good enough, that you're not pious enough, you're not paying enough attention, you're not living the perfect life. But of course, part of those 613 commandments or mitzvot, this is from a long time ago, right? This is from way back. So what happened was Moses had 611 rules, and then they took the first two commandments of the 10 commandments, which God gave, in theory, so that's how you get to 613. But a bunch of them had to do with the temples in Israel which have been destroyed. That's a bunch of history that you can learn. But the fact of the matter is that now today, this is what's so crazy. There's only 77 out of the 248 that you can actually do today and I don't do them. There's 194 things not to do and I do do them. So I've got it totally backwards. But it is episode number 613, which is pretty cool. Do you know that the 248 original things to do, that also equals the number of bones plus organs in your body? Just a little known fact. The 365 is the days of the year of the solar calendar. So that adds up to 613. It's pretty cool. I love numbers. I love math. I was just talking to someone last night at dinner where I thought I was going to run into Derek Jeter, but I didn't. That there is a... when you're climbing at altitude, which I'm doing to train for Kilimanjaro, your brain, the oxygen in your brain obviously decreases, and you have a hard time doing math or doing other sort of menial tasks. And during a climb in Denver, I was trying to calculate what the math was for the distance left to climb, and I was having a hard time dividing 3.7. I just couldn't do it, which of course, in my mind, you should be able to do 3.7 is 1.5 times two is three, which leaves 0.7, which is 350 times two. 1.5 and 350 is one eight five. One eight five times two is 3.7. That should be easily done and I couldn't do it. So I was doing the math on the 613 and I was thinking that climbing Kilimanjaro next month, that's what I'm gonna try to remember is how to do the math and how to get to 613. And as we're going through 16, 17, 18, 19,000 feet, I'm not gonna be able to do it. So 613 episodes. If you look at the Apple number of episodes, I think you'll see that there are more because of Samson sit-downs and mailbags and emergency pods. But today is the 613th episode of the David Samson show called Nothing Personal, where Matthew Coca has been there every step of the way. So thank you, we're gonna keep going because why not get to 1226 or 1839? I don't know wait to see all right a bunch of stuff went on today on and off the court and yesterday and what a way to end the week so many let's start with tom brady tom brady is a liar we're clear about that right when he meets the media you know he's lying to the media therefore he's lying to you he does not disclose anything he doesn't want you to know anything he loves the mystery he loves using social media to fool you to trick you to engage you because that is what feeds his ego i'm in i don't need tom brady to meet the media and tell us the truth because i can tell you certain things that are true certain things that are not and certain things that it really doesn't matter so we met the media yesterday and talked about a bunch of things but what caught my attention and what has caught the attention of others is his conversation about what happened with miami so apparently And this is Tom Brady. So everything that he says we're going to take with a grain of salt, right? That would make sense, wouldn't it? He said that he's been thinking about his post-football career and planning his post-football career for the past three or four years. Interesting. So he was a member of the New England Patriots, and he was thinking about his post-playing career. Then he became a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he further was thinking about his post-playing career. Then he retires for a period of like 40 days during those 40 days he realizes he still has the fire in him he wants to keep playing he negotiates a deal with Fox for 375 million dollars to be their lead analyst and then upon his retirement but all the while this was happening he was negotiating to become an executive and a player with the Miami Dolphins here was the plan He was gonna go be the quarterback for the Dolphins, and then upon completion of his playing days, he was gonna become the Dan Marino of the Dolphins. He was going to go into the front office. He was going to be the Michael Jordan of the Charlotte Hornets. He was gonna be the erstwhile Derek Jeter of the Miami Marlins. He was going to run the show. The other part of the plan is that Sean Payton, the former coach of the New Orleans Saints, was gonna become the coach of the Dolphins. What fascinated me about this is that plan was well underway, ready to roll, until Randy Flores filed his lawsuit alleging racial discrimination, alleging that Steven Ross asked Flores to tank games and lose games, et cetera, offered to pay him money to lose as many games as possible. And then I called him Randy. I'm sorry, it's Brian Flores. Thank you, Coca. Of course I know it's Brian Flores. Who's Randy Flores? Is there a Randy? I don't know why that was in my head. So Brian Flores files his lawsuit. The Dolphins pivot and say, we can't do this deal with Sean Payton. We cannot have a whitehead coach. We're not going to be able to do the deal right now with Tom Brady. So we're going to wait. We're going to hire McDaniel, who is a minority out of San Francisco. We're going to bring him in, and we're going to let Brady go back. But then Brady decided to go long-term with Fox. So what exactly happened that caused him to want to be a football executive with the Dolphins and then totally pivot to being an analyst with Fox? Was it the money? Was it the amount of work required? Was it living in Miami? Which part of it? And on top of that, when you are a member of the New England Patriots or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you can't talk to the Miami Dolphins. Maybe the claim is that he was only talking to the Dolphins during his retirement, but that's a bunch of horse hockey. You cannot even begin to come up with a deal that quickly while you are retired. Of course, Fox can claim, yes, we came up with this deal within 20 days. And the Dolphins could say, oh, we approached him once he was retired. He was still property, which is such an unfortunate way that we refer to players, but it's a fact. He's still property of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just wonder why it's not getting more attention. And you're seeing some people in the media talk about that. And they're asking themselves, isn't it sort of a big story, the tampering that the Dolphins were going to do or the fact that the Dolphins were going to get Tom Brady but for the lawsuit by Flores? And here's my response. If you're Steve Ross, the owner of a team, and you are running your team, with that level of PR involvement, where you've got a plan that you think is in the best interest of your team for a head coach, for a quarterback, for an executive, and you pivot because of a lawsuit and because of the way you are being portrayed, that is why your team doesn't win. When you run a public-private company or when you are a front-facing person, You have to have conviction with what your plan is. You then have to follow through with your plan, stick to your plan, but recognize that if your plan is bad, how you need to get a new plan. But not prematurely, not when the fans say to get a new plan, not when the media says to get a new plan, when your baseball people or football people say, we were wrong about these players, we were wrong about this coach. And what sports has become is a basically the tail wagging the dog, and it is so bizarre to me. The reactionary nature of owners and presidents and GMs because of social media, because of their fear of you, the fan, think about the power that you now have, that you are dictating because of your reaction to things that are happening, whether or not something goes viral, whether or not a team needs to react, And it's not always positive meaning the power that you wield is not always done in a good cause for a good cause in a good way so we talked about yesterday the power of social media forced the washington command skins to deal with jack del rio and force him to give an apology we talked about the fact that teams when there are scandals decide are they going to get rid of that player well if if he's good enough they will if he's not good enough they won't when there's scandals with ownership is it enough to make a owner sell or be forced to sell have we gotten to the point where danny boy is going to be thrown out by the other nfl owners that point is gotten to by all of you that's how much these teams are paying attention to the wind And it's the wind that you all create. So how do you decide? It's sort of like thinking about what makes something viral, right? You can't define it because it just happens. But I'm not buying that because something that's viral is something that interests you, whether it interests you in a negative way or a positive way, whether it's sort of a train wreck or you're making fun of something, or you wanna see what people are talking about. So you're gonna read an article or read a tweet or read or look at a picture because you wanna not suffer from FOMO, you wanna be able to engage when people are talking about the latest gossip. It's the whole reason for all these magazines and, the gossip, and these gossip shows. It's the whole reason for social media and Instagram and TikTok, because we are trying to engage you, but we don't know what will engage you. So we give you a bunch of crap, hoping you'll sift through it and something will trigger a response. But when you're giving the response, do you think about what you're responding to and how you're responding? This dovetails to the proportionality conversation that we had yesterday, which is some things that go viral are not viral worthy. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more something's viral, the more viral it becomes because then the more people have the FOMO. My suggestion to you is to stop it. So with Tom Brady as an example, if you are a Dolphins fan, You should not be happy that the Dolphins altered their plans because of the lawsuit. When you were this close to Brady and Peyton. Now, I told you from the beginning, Tom Brady lies when he meets the media. Why would I think he's not lying about this? Well, when I say he lies to the media, manipulates the media, the way I would manipulate the media is there would be kernels of truth contained. Little nuggets, little Easter eggs that you would have to decide for yourself or let the media speculate as to what they were but when I'm looking in the mirror when I'm putting my head on the pillow I know exactly that I have not completely lied I have stretched the truth in a way to serve my best interest so what is the best interest for Tom Brady why what's in it for him to give you the Miami Dolphins Easter egg to let you know that he was wanted by more than one team to let you know that he has an interest in being an executive, maybe for a different team, but now he's totally closed the door to that because of the deal he signed with Fox? And if there's no reason for him to have given you that Easter egg, does that by definition make it not true? Well, in this case, when there's no reason to talk about something and you do, the reason why I believe it's true is there have been enough rumors which appear as smoke to indicate that a fire is not far behind so in conclusion when you are presented with a set of facts or you're presented with a set of circumstances and you just hit like or you hit follow or you hit forward or you bring it up in conversation have you seen this did you do that how about if you are the editor of those actions I think that would make the world a better place. It certainly would help with social media. Social media is a whole, it's, it's like a game changer. All the managers in baseball, all of the presidents and GMs, all the head coaches in any league, everybody is so focused and worried about social media. They're worried about what they say, how they look. Do they appear happy? Can they give you an Insta story which shows how great their life is, even if it's not so great, but it appears great because you're in a cool place with cool looking people? God, what a voyeuristic society. What about if you're an old manager and you really don't wanna deal with all of technology that now exists, with all of the analytics that now exist? Your name is Tony Larusa. Tony La Russa is a manager of the Chicago White Sox, who I told you last year had lost the clubhouse. Remember the spat he got into, how he wasn't defending his players, and I thought Tony La Russa would be gone but for his relationship with Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the White Sox, and that is the clear reason why La Russa is still there. Yesterday, the White Sox were playing the Dodgers, and the damnedest thing happened. Trey Turner is their number three hole hitter. Likely the best, well, their top three is Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner. Hard to find a better top third of your lineup in all of Major League Baseball. Apologies to the Yankees. You know, Coca. can I mention the fact that Cole got rocked last night, or is that just too soon? Too early and too soon. I'm going to say it's too early, too soon. Not going to do it. So, Trey Turner's up to bat. He's facing a lefty. The Dodgers have a small lead, like seven five or whatever the case may be trey turner has a man on second and freddie freeman a man on first and freddie freeman excuse me strike one ball one ball two ball one ball two ball in the dirt strike one in the dirt means that trey turner is at the plate freddie freeman has advanced to second base first base is open and tony la russa puts four fingers up he intentionally walks trey turner with a one and two count two strikes where major league baseball hitters hit 100 points below the ravage though trey turner is a good two-strike hitter and he has done well with two strikes this season that said the general principle is when you can get to two strikes you keep going but nope Tony La Russa walks Trey Turner, Trey Turner doesn't know what's going on, he goes to first base, in comes Mac Muncy. The things about the intentional walk that we focus on before deciding whether or not to give a player an intentional walk is what do we think the impact is on the guy on deck? How able is the guy on deck to channel his embarrassment into a successful outcome at the plate? And the answer that we always had when we did intentional walks is whoever was on deck, we're going to bring up to the plate. There's a matchup reason. There's a mathematical reason. And we believe the psychology actually does not exist. That thinking that you need an enemy, Michael Jordan style, thinking that you need a competitor to get the best out of you, thinking that the guy in front of you got walked, which is a total slap in your face because they want to face you and not the guy they walked. None of that works. Max Muncie comes to the plate and he hits a three-run home run. Tony La Russa was slinking in his chair, hat off, giving the post-game press conference. One of the questions asked was very simple, like, why? And he said, why are you even asking? This, it was a baseball decision. This made sound baseball sense. Trey Turner bats whatever he bats as a lefty with two strikes against a lefty. Mac Muncy, if we get two strikes on him, he's a 100 hitter, he's done. It makes perfect sense. You are criticizing the result, and I'm the one who has to do the moves. I love that answer. That's an answer that comes with experience. That's an answer that you give when you are saying to fans, do me a favor, and STFU because I know what I'm doing and you don't. And I'd like you to sit in this chair and make these decisions as they're happening instead of analyzing them after they're happening. And that's the whole key, right? One of the big problems we have right now with coaching is that we evaluate coaches on result and we should evaluate them on process only. So the process of Tony LaRussa walking this batter, walking Trey Turner, and not getting permission from the front office prior to the game for that exact scenario is a fireable offense. When we had a rogue GM or a rogue manager, we took care of that immediately by cutting the head off the snake, whether it was firing a GM or firing a certain scout, firing someone in the baseball department who just had a bigger voice in the company than they should have had and was a misleading voice nonetheless. That's exactly what Tony La Russa has now. Tony La Russa is covered by Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. Terry La R- excuse me, 469. Tony La Russa believes that anything he does because of his World Series ring, because of his gravitas, he can say this was the right baseball move. And that's what he said. He said, for all of you questioning, you're totally wrong. This was the right baseball move. All of the moves done by managers like that are approved before the game starts. Tony La Russa should not have the ability to make that sort of decision during the course of a game. and the reason why I don't want my manager making those types of decisions is that the juice as I like to say is not worth the squeeze him being wrong and giving up the Muncie three-run homer is way worse than him being right and Muncie rolling over and getting out of the inning in terms of social media public backlash player backlash potential lasting impact of waking a giant like the dodgers making them dislike you whether you play them again or not in the regular season does not matter because i understand that they were an interleague matchup i was watching tony at the podium and i was thinking i can't believe he's still a manager i mean i i was there in the beginning i wasn't even there in the beginning then he managed and then He went into the front office of baseball as like an advisor, and now he's back in the dugout. And to me, it is such a mistake. The Chicago White Sox are one of the most disappointing teams in baseball right now. They may have taken over the mantle from the Phillies, who can't lose under Rob Thompson. Let's think about that. Could he be the biggest disappointment and the Chicago White Sox. I guess you could say they have injuries, so that would excuse their poor performance, but they were supposed to run away with the American League Central. I think I said in my season preview that there's nothing to watch after July 4th. I'm glad I didn't make that a wait to see, that's for sure. So Tony Russa's explanation was inexcusable. The process with the front office was unmanageable and the result was unthinkable tony your time is coming you better be over at reinstorf's house right now literally right now sleeping at seven in the morning okay oh i finally watched the Nicolas cage movie yesterday the unbearable weight of massive talent. Let's take a break. We're going to review that movie. And then we're going to talk about the PGA because as you can imagine, there's more golf news. Now, if you're not a golfer, because you don't like golf, I'm not a golfer. I don't like golf, but these are fascinating business case studies, like business school type situations going on with the PGA and the back and forth with the live golf tournament. We'll be right back.
0: our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
1: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday, June 10th. We made it through another week. You made it through another gauntlet. Thank you very much for sticking with us, telling your friends about nothing personal. Let's keep going. It's too much fun every single day. So the PGA Tour released a letter yesterday, and it's a winner. Their letter basically suspended all players, and they listed them by name in the bottom of the letter. They suspended all players who are members of the PGA. Now, there was an asterisk next to some of the names on this letter. Go check it out if you can find it. I could do a share screen on zoom but i don't know how to do it and then you could go to nothing personal with davidsampson.com and get on the youtube channel and then hit subscribe and then see this letter if i knew how to actually share it during the course of a show which of course i don't where was i pga players defecting pga commissioner jay monahan saying we've got to make a statement people are waiting for us to talk and it's time that we talk and all he did was misfire and I'm going to give you the top three examples of mistakes that were made in this letter that was sent to all members of the PGA with an explanation of why he is suspending these players indefinitely for their lifetime we'll see if it's actually gonna be a lifetime but that is the suspension If you are going to play with Liv, you are not playing with the PGA. The people at Liv knew this. The Mickelsons, apparently the Shambos, potentially the Fowlers, the Nas. They knew it. They knew that by joining the Liv tour and taking the money they were cutting off all ties to the PGA. So this was no great epiphany, this this declaration, but the letter itself was worse. In it monahan says the players have made their choice for their own financial based reasons wow shocking i've never come across an athlete who makes a choice for their own financial based reason i've never come across a business person who makes a choice for their own financial based reason it's everybody There's not one person in the world who doesn't make choices based on their own financial situation. But they start that in a letter. They Then they go on to say what a great history the PGA Tour has. All the great TV partners, all the people are going to be watching the PGA Tournaments. Like 35,000 expected this weekend in Brookline, Connecticut, or next weekend, whenever the U.S. Open is. But the PGA what leg did they have to stand on they've said the talking points which is we are now in free agency they've said that they're going to punish players they're going to take away their membership benefits any considerations opportunities whatever they get for being on the pga tour and you get a lot what's going to happen now though What's going to happen is that this fledgling golf tournament is going to disappear. And that is a take that none of you will agree with because you will tell me, David, they're fully funded until 2024, 2025 by the Saudis. This is perfect. Well, the Saudis are going to be Saudis and the people in charge are going to be the people in charge, which means not long from now, there's going to be some sort of murder that takes place some sort of human rights abuse some sort of misogynistic horrific behavior toward women something's going to happen because that's what they do in saudi arabia something's going to happen and the golf tour will then disappear itself now they've got the financial backing they borrowed a bunch of money they are doing great financially regardless of your streaming regardless of sponsorships but for the PGA tour to say that players are playing with live because of money that's an nss that's a no shite sherlock but he continues and he says in bold you are the PGA tour and the moment is about what we stand for the PGA tour membership as a whole It's about lifting up those who choose to not only benefit from the tour, but who also play an integral part in the building of it. I know you are with us and vice versa. Our partners are with us too. The fact that your former tour colleagues can't say the same should be telling. Well, Jay, that's the wrong approach too. And the reason that's the wrong approach is that the players who are on the Tour Championship are telling the players who are not, who are in the PGA Tour, they're saying, you know, if I finish 44th out of 44 people, I'm still getting paid. There's minimums. It makes it so I can pay for my crew and profit if I have a good weekend, because golfers travel with crews and buses and planes, etc. Hmm, interesting. And then they continued, to invoke the name of jack nicholas and arnie palmer and tiger woods talking about the great history of the pga tour however racist it was talking about how the benefits you get all these membership benefits like a free blockbuster card and a bunch of tees and one of those divot replace things that's in every giveaway bag well not every every golf giveaway bag should i add <laughs> Is that what you're trying to convince us of? Is that those are the benefits that matter to the players? And you're accusing them of only talking about and thinking about money? Why exactly are you concerned about this live tour? You're concerned because now a broadcaster doesn't have to pay you money to show your golf tournaments because they've got the same golf tournament over here with people who are just as famous who are charging me a quarter of the price. That is the fear the networks are living under. The fear of the PGA Tour is living under, like Joe Immelman, the president, is, hey, if this works, the PGA Tour gets disbanded. We're done. Then what do I do? So I need to come out swinging. But this letter did not come out swinging. It ends with, you are the PGA Tour. He's talking to the players. And this moment is about what we stand for. I feel like I need background music. Uh, uh, uh the PGA Ah uh, Tour membership as a whole—it's about lifting up those who choose to not only benefit from the tour but also play an integral role in building it. It's—it's it's so ridiculous. I can't it. I know you are with us, and vice versa. Our partners are with us too. The fact that your former tour alleges and colleagues can't say the same should be telling. Yeah, you know what's really telling to the people on the PGA Tour? Is the people on the Live Tour have guaranteed, let's say, 40, 50, 100 million dollars? Or the people who don't get the sponsorship deals from the Saudis, but they get to compete in the Live Tournament, if they finish last, they still make 100 grand. If they finish last in the PGA Tour, they don't make a red nickel. It's all about the money. And now you've got players who are coming out and commenting because they feel like they have to. Some are rumored to be joining the tour, some are not. Ricky Fowler is a, not Ricky Fowler, excuse me. Rory McIlroy. Why was Ricky Fowler in my head, Coca? Any idea? Were we talking about him pre-show? I don't know. Rory, Rory. welcome to Friday, 469. Rory McIlroy came out with a statement I think it's a shame that it's going to fracture the game I think if anything the professional game is the window shop into golf if the general public are confused about who's playing where and what tournaments on this week it just becomes so confusing hmm that's the argument that people won't know where to find different tournaments as opposed to going on their Hulu or going on their cable and searching sports and seeing golf and saying, oh, that's the golf tournament. Oh, there's two golf tournaments this week. Let me see which is more competitive. The PGA is setting its sights and standing its ground as though this Saudi tour is meaningless. But the reason why it's meaningful is not because of the money that is coming from Saudi Arabia. It's because of the money that's going to players. These players in golf look around at basketball and baseball and hockey and football. They see unions, they see protections. They look around at a golf course and they see grass and maybe they just wanna smoke it. But what has taken so long for these golfers to demand free agency? Why is the PGA Tour so scared of the live golf series? Is it because they believe that they'll become marginalized? And they believe that the head of the PGA Tour, Jay Monahan, will be out of a job and he'll have to find something else? Self-preservation is one of the great motivators in all of history. It's the fight or flight, right? It's something that's been around forever. Well, these players are suspended. We have a list of them. And I cannot wait to find out what happens going forward. Did we take a break yet, Coca? I think we did. All right, we got to review a movie. Why did I get into the PGA? That's very strange. I was supposed to review a movie right after the break. Hey, it's 6.13. It's how it goes. The unbearable weight of massive talent. I couldn't wait to see this. It's the new Nicolas Cage movie starring Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage, but he's not really Nicolas Cage. He's sort of an amalgam of what all the Nicolas Cages have been and all the characters he's played, both as Nicolas Cage and as the characters. It is a love story to Nicolas Cage, about Nicolas Cage, starring Nicolas Cage it is so bizarre so it's the story about him being hired by pedro pascal to come to mallorca spain and participate in a birthday party and he's going to get paid a huge sum of money because doogie hauser says to him you need money do you remember in uh lost in translation when bill murray gets paid to go to japan hey for good times it's centuri times and he gets paid and all these other actors and actresses who go film something quick in Asia and get a couple million dollars, or they go play a private party. Some people go to Saudi Arabia, they go to Qatar, they go to Europe, they go this place, that place. If you are offered a million dollars to go make an appearance, I don't care how rich you are, the answer is I, N. So Nick Cage goes over, goes to the party, and before you know it, he's caught in this bizarre scheme where tiffany haddish is an fbi agent is asking him to act like an fbi agent which enables Nicolas cage to sort of act like Nicolas cage's characters in certain movies but they then do an ode to these other movies like leaving las vegas and face off etc and i'm watching this movie thinking holy crikeys this movie stinks except i love cage so much that I can't stop watching it and I'm going to advise everybody else to watch it. If you don't like Nicolas Cage, please skip it. Why did they do an ode to Valley Girl? I don't know that. The unbearable weight of massive talent will not get Nicolas Cage another actor, but it did get him some money. All right, pick of the day. We had the lightning over the Rangers. We told you about that. They won, we're 69 and 53. Tonight, we've got the Warriors and the Celtics. Steph Curry, is he playing, is he not playing? The line right now is Boston by four over Golden State in a game four, where if Boston wins, they go up three to one, and that makes them one game away from a championship, which would be pretty cool. If Steph Curry does not play, that line can move to seven, it can move to eight. He says he's gonna play. As I sit here today, I don't know whether he's gonna play. Therefore, I'm not picking the game. Or I can do it a different way, Coca. Why can't I say, if Curry's playing, I'm taking the Warriors. If Curry's not playing, I'm taking the Celtics. Can I do that? Does that count as a pick? How do you even bet that? You're going to have to be the commissioner on this, Coke. You're going to have to make a ruling. Just in case, I've got a baseball game for you. I don't know if you're paying attention, but the standings are very bizarre. The Anaheim Angels finally won a game. Shohei Otani pitched and hit a home run. They had lost 14 in a row. The Diamondbacks are not as bad as they thought. The Rockies are in last place. The Phillies can't lose under their new manager. They're undefeated. Don't bet against the streak. Except the Phillies are playing the Diamondbacks, and the Diamondbacks are going with Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen is the guy the Marlins traded to get Jazz Chisholm, who was the subject of a major team meeting earlier this week with the Marlins who, by the way, have not lost since that team meeting, having swept the Nationals. Now they're going to Houston. That's another pick I could make is the Astros over the Marlins. But the pick I'm going to give you is Zach Gallen, who is a good pitcher who's not hurt and pitching very well right now, giving the Phillies and Rob Thompson his first loss. Okay. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Either way, we're going to revisit it. I'm going to give you the wait to see and then go right into why. Wait to see. LeBron James will not be the principal owner of the Las Vegas National Basketball Association team. That's the wait to see. All right, how did I get that? LeBron James has made no secret that he wants to own a team. LeBron James, 37 years old, gets to say that he owns part of Liverpool and part of the Boston Red Sox by getting a piece of Fenway Sports Group which has under its sort of, under its umbrella, those professional sports teams. LeBron James has zero say in the operation of the Red Sox or the Liverpool team. Zero, right? He's not considered an owner of the Red Sox. He did not have to be vetted. It's Fenway Sports Group and John Henry and Tom Werner those two are vetted John Henry's the control person LeBron James does not have a seat at the ownership table in Major League Baseball so he's interviewed on a podcast and he says I've got a plan I'm going to own an NBA team sooner rather than later and it's going to be in Vegas And everyone's all excited because Fortune or Forbes, or one of those magazines, Fortune, I guess, came out with a list where LeBron James is now worth over a billion dollars. Well, what did we learn from yesterday's show about Rob Walton? Is that being a billionaire, it ain't good enough. Now, it's good enough for a whole bunch of stuff, right? You get to produce movies like Hustle. You get to fly privately. You get to have a nice house wherever you want to go on nice vacations. You definitely still have service like the rest of us, but you end up having more money to try to deal with your service, which never works, by the way. Having both been poor and comfortable, I can tell you that money has nothing to do with taking away your grief for your service. So LeBron James is now worth a billion dollars. He wants to be the owner of a team. I guess he forgot that in the NBA, to be the front person, it's similar to Major League Baseball and to the NFL. You have to put up a majority of the money. Then you have to be voted in by the owners as the control person of that team. It will take more than a billion dollars to get an expansion team in Vegas, the expansion fee alone will be $1.5 to $2 billion. On top of that, you're going to have to get a facility built. On top of that, you're going to have to operate a team. The NBA and MLB and football and anybody else who's going to expand is making it so the only people who can expand, not the only cities, the only people who can be in charge of expansion are those people whose net worth is not $1 billion, but it's got at least 10 12 14 20 40 $60, 80000000000 That's the exclusive crowd that LeBron wants to join that he will not be able to. NBA in Vegas is not a slam dunk. They've got the arena where the Golden Knights play. They would, the NBA would now be the third professional team into Vegas. Adam Silver, the commissioner has stated in no uncertain terms that he is not discussing expansion right now. He acknowledges that Seattle and Las Vegas are good choices, but he is not discussing expansion at the moment. So let's say LeBron plays another year, his twentieth year, and then he waits for his son. So he plays again in two thousand twenty-four. I think his son can join him, what, Coca, in twenty-four or twenty-five? I think it may be twenty-four, but either way, his son joins him, Bronny. They play together. Then LeBron stops playing. Then he starts looking for a team. LeBron James, the only team he'll be able to buy is an existing team, and that's if he starts making way better movies, way more money. Because to buy an existing team, you're going to need more than a billion dollars. And no one is going to use their entire net worth, which is not liquid net worth. What net worth means is you count your assets, which means that he values his percentage in Fenway Sports Group. He values his persp- his uh, investment in Braun Entertainment. He values the his house, his residence when you are putting your personal net worth together, you take all of your assets, subtract all of your liabilities, which is, do you have a mortgage? Do you have credit card debt? Do you have a line of credit? Do you owe somebody money? Not your weekly expense for your chef or your tuition expense for your child in school. That does not count. I'm talking about long-term debt. So you go through that process. And when you say you are worth a billion as a net worth, and I'm not believing fortune for a minute, but if you are, you come to that by valuing these assets. That's not cash. Now, could LeBron James go to a bank and borrow the money to then put into a team? Yes, he could. Could he borrow enough money to be the number one person in an investment group? No, he cannot. So LeBron James, what he didn't say is that he's looking for the exact same situation that Derek Jeter has, and had, had, he's fired, that Alex Rodriguez has with Mark Lohr and the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's gotta find a much richer person who will let LeBron be the front man, the voice, the leader, and it's not gonna happen in Vegas. Okay. Oh, we, we can't cover this right now, Coca. Okay, so here's why Coca's talking in my ear. A couple of things have happened also yesterday in baseball regarding the Baltimore Orioles and Peter Angelos and his children. What a nightmare. They're suing each other, which makes me crazy. They also is, we were going to talk about Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez is an umpire who's involved in that suit with Major League Baseball who's so upset that he's not a crew chief because he feels that MLB discriminated against him. And the funny part about the Angel Hernandez situation is that he's such a bad umpire that MLB's been trying to get rid of him for so long. So Angel Hernandez is now claiming, not only are they trying to get rid of me, but they fix the evaluations so I don't look good enough to be a crew chief. And that always makes me laugh because we don't have to fix the evaluations to make you look bad you look bad without fixing the evaluations that's the ultimate irony but this guy is like a dog with a bone he will not let this go he lost and now he's appealing up to a second circuit trying to maybe he's gonna go all the way to the Supreme Court maybe for whatever reason Coca Angel Hernandez thinks that he is like the minority messiah And he is going to explain to people why he's right and why Major League Baseball is the big, bad white people who are making sure that minority umpires don't get a chance. Can you think of a worse medium? Literally. It's like Bill Gates being hired to support typewriters. It's asinine. Anyway, we didn't get to that. That's the week. It's been a week, hasn't it? We didn't even talk about the hearings from last night. The January 6th hearing started. If you haven't watched them and you haven't watched the video of some unseen footage, you may want to watch that. We may talk about that next week. These hearings are going to go on through the month of June, and they're fascinating no matter what side of the aisle you're on, just to see sort of the inner workings of what's going on in Washington. In any case, I appreciate your time. This has been episode 613. It's been meaningful. It's been exhausting. It's been a week, Coca. It's just business.